1952, Florence was the first woman to attempt to swim the 26 miles between Catalina Island and the California shoreline, coastline. And so as she began this historical journey, after a long time of training, she was flanked by small boats that would watch her uh, watch for sharks, and they were also prepared to help her and to get her rescued in uh, if she grew tired. And so hour after hour, she swam. But after 15 hours, this thick, heavy fog set in, and Florence began to doubt her ability. And she told her mother that she was in, uh, who was in one of the boats, she looked up at her while she was swimming, and she said, I, I don't think I can make it any longer. And so she swam for one more hour, asking to be pulled out. And as she sat in the boat, Florence found out that she stopped swimming one mile away from the shoreline, her destination. And she goes on to explain that she quit because she's, she could no longer see the coastline because of the fog. And it just discouraged her, it scared her, and so she just quit. But two months later, she came to this group of people and she said, I want to do it again. She said, I've been training some more and I have the determination now that I'm going to swim the 26 miles and reach my destination. And so she swam from Catalina Island to the shore of California in a straight path for 26 miles. And here's what happened. That same thick fog set in, but Florence made it because she said that while she swam, she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her mind. She didn't lose sight of her goal. You know, as we gather in an assembly like this, there is no doubt in my mind that we have folks that are here today that have been on the Christian journey for a long time. And there are others who are just beginning. You're young in the faith. You're young in this thing called Christian life and Christian living and the journey that you're on. But you know what? It doesn't matter if you've been on the journey for a day or for 80 years. We're on the same destination, right? And a lot of times, just like Florence, we lose that mental image. And we want to quit and we want to give up. I mean, we just have all these doubts that set in. And I think a lot of that is because we lose sight of the fact that this world is not my home. Heaven is our goal. And so that desire that we have as children of God should be this. To know God and His Son Jesus better and deeper each day. And so as we begin this morning, I want to begin with this question. What is the greatest desire of a Christian. Throughout Scripture, you see these great men and women of faith, great men and women of God that say that their passion is to truly know God better. For example, look at some of these Scriptures. Moses says to God in Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, 
I pray that you sow me your glory. And then David prays this, one of my favorite prayers from Psalm 42 verse 1. Just as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And then you've got the great man, the Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that says this, that his heart longs to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The greatest desire of a Christian is to know God. But did you know that it's possible to be a Christian and not really know God that well? Let me show you a case in point. Look in John chapter 14 for a moment. And I want you to jump down to about verse 8. John chapter 14, verse 8. Right after Jesus says this great phrase, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Philip looks to him and says, Lord, show us the Father And that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Now now listen to this. Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? You see what he's saying to Philip? You've been with me all this time. You've walked with me all this time. You have followed me all this time. And now you're really saying, show me the Father? You see, I wonder this morning, think about how long you've been a follower of Christ. How many of you in here have been following Christ for 50 years? Or longer? Raise your hand. 60 years or longer? 65 years or longer? Some of you are wavering. 66 years or longer? Some of you are really going out. Anybody longer than 66 years that's been a Christian? Babs, how long have you been a Christian? 72. Can anybody top 72 years? Right here. Janelle, 75, she's whispering it, 75 years, oh my goodness, Evelyn Perry, how long have you been a Christian? I can't either, (laughs) I think she's been a Christian longer than 77 years, we're checking once again, when I get the answer I'll let you know, folks listen to me. That is a long time. Amen. Praise God for following Christ that long. But here's my question. Is it possible to follow Jesus a year or 77 plus years and really get to the end of your life and say, you know, I'm not sure I really know God. Before we're too hard on Philip, the same thing can be true of us, right? So it really doesn't matter how long 
you've been a follower. What really matters is, how well do I know God? How much am I really soaking in, how much am I really taking in the depth of following him and having that in my heart? I want you to turn this morning to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter, in his second letter, he is dealing with some fake people, okay? And here's what I mean by that. You know, just like today, we, we look at the real thing of whatever it may be. Here's the real thing. Here's the real deal. And then you've got those that are fakes that are walking around masquerading what the real thing really is, okay? As Peter is addressing the, the readers here, one of the things that he begins to say is, there's some of you that I'm writing to that are pretending to be something that you're not. And so in this case, it's the false teachers that Peter's talking about who claim knowledge of God, but whose lifestyles betray him. So they say with their lips, they know God. But with their feet and with their life, they don't back that up, okay? Folks, listen, people don't care how much you know until they really know how much you care. We've heard that saying all of our lives, haven't we? There's a lot of truth in that. And so instead of trying to come across too preachy, why don't we try to come across as genuine and really show care and compassion for those that around us. That's the example that Jesus modeled for his followers, isn't it? And so for Peter and the rest of the New Testament writers, there's no division between what I'm going to call a private faith and an outward public obedience of that faith. Okay, you see, faith was not a private matter to them, and it shouldn't be to us either. In Peter's letter, written around 63 to about 68 A.D., Peter directly addresses the consequences of knowing God. In fact, there's 11 different occasions where he speaks of knowledge in relation to the Christian believer, that's us, and our relationship that we share with our Creator and our Heavenly Father, God. Now, all of us know from watching movies and from, from real-life experiences, there's a thing, there's a mental condition called amnesia. Okay, here's what happens with amnesia. A person gets involved in an accident, perhaps an injury to the head for a period of time, and they can't remember a lot of things. Maybe can't remember their name, can't remember family members, uh, can't remember where they live, can't remember what happened to them. Just yesterday, just for a little bit watching different TV shows, actually watched one of those for a little bit just to kind of see for that, and it took obviously two hours, the whole movie, for the lady to come around and to realize this is who I really am because of a car accident that she had been involved in. And so her husband and all of her family spent the two hours of the movie I had to watch reliving all of life for her to slowly bring her back around. And all of a sudden one day when she wakes up, she begins to see, oh, now I know who all of you are. I know this is the house that I live in. I mean, everything came back to her. Well, I wonder, when we look at that with amnesia, I wonder there's a thing called spiritual amnesia. And I wonder 
if it's possible that a person can have a genuine, authentic experience with Jesus and then forget that experience. Here's what happens, and here's the real world that we live in. There are no quick fixes for the human condition that we find ourselves in. We live in a world today, TV, newspaper, all around us in our culture, they throw at us quick fixes, okay? And you know what? A lot of times, hook, line, and sinker, what do we do? We buy it. It looks good, feels good, and like, man, this is going to work. It's a quick fix, whatever the case may be, whether it's losing weight, losing 20 pounds in a week, man, we take that pill for seven days and boom. Most of the time, you still got that 20 pounds, right? We're in, our culture's in to quick fixes, okay? So here's what happens. The process of growing to be like Christ and be able to live a life that truly glorifies God, stay with me here, requires time and effort. Effort on our part. God's done his part. Now what will we do to grow closer to him? Now we don't like to hear this because here's what happens. We prefer to be changed for good minus all the disciplines. Here's what that looks like. Just make me a good Christian minus the quiet time, minus the fellowship time, minus the dwelling in the word time, minus all the, you fill in the blank, just make me a good Christian, and I mean make me one right now. Boy, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You know why it sounds good? Because there's not a lot of effort on our part. There's not a lot of discipline that we have to endure or go through. It's just a quick fix. But you know what? In real life, what do we learn? Quick fixes never last, do they? Just like Peter's writing to fakes that are pretending to be something they're not, guess what? A quick fix is just a pretender of something that it's really not, okay? And so for a short period of time, we got on this kick that, man, everything is great. I'm growing and all of it's wonderful, only to realize, wow, it's really not going to last. I like how Dallas Willard puts it. He says, when we understand that grace is a gift, and I want to stop right there, will we ever realize grace is a gift? Amen? Amen. There is nothing we can do to earn it. Grace is given to us by God. It's given for us by God. And he goes on to say, when we understand that grace is a gift, we then see that to grow in grace, and that's a phrase that Peter will use, is to grow in what is given to us of God and by God. And he goes on to say the disciplines are then, in the clearest sense, a means to that grace and also a means to all of those gifts. And so, with that in mind, I want you to listen to how Peter begins his second part in 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen to this beautiful letter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus, 
to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, confirming of one's calling and election. Then he goes on to verse 3. His divine power. Underline that, circle it, whatever you need to do. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. How did Paul say it last week in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7? He said, train yourself to be godly. And now Peter says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. In other words, what he's given us, Peter's saying, it can be yours. You can live in it. You can participate in it. You can be involved in it. Okay? Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And so for this very reason, he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Now guess what? Let me stop there for a minute. Let me camp out here for a minute. Let me preach to you for a moment, okay? You see what Peter says? If you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Folks, how do they increase? You got to grow in them, okay? They're not just part of your life today and gone tomorrow. They're a part of your life. The divine power is a part of our life forevermore. And in increasing measure, we grow day by day by day with those qualities that are in our life. Does that make sense? Not just here today, gone tomorrow. It increases. And it increases by our effort of growing closer and deeper with those. So if you possess those qualities in increasing measure... They keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, Peter's laying it out here, isn't it? I mean, if there's ever been a recipe for how to grow, man, here it is. Okay? But it's not a quick fix like some are thinking it is. It's the real thing. God's doing his part. Now, what will you do? It's more than just accepting them. It's living them out. It's growing in them. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. Next screen, please. Nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. You know what? I think a lot of times in our walk with God, we forget that we've been cleansed from past sins. And we walk around and we're still being paralyzed and still being stifled in our past folks let me tell you something 
The past is past. I don't care if it's yesterday or 50 years ago, there is nothing you can do to go back and undo what happened yesterday. There is nothing we can do but to accept the fact that all of us are sinners saved by the grace of God. And you know what? Listen to me. We need to hear that every day. We forget it. Because Satan wants you to believe that you're no good. He wants you to believe that you're terrible. He wants you to live in your past sin. And when he does that, for a little while, he has a victory. But shame on us as children of God for not realizing the victory never belonged to Satan in the first place. It's always been ours through the grace of God. Therefore, you make every effort to confirm your calling. That's right. We have been called, church, to be His. So confirm that calling and election. For if you do these things, look at this next phrase, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise God for the reading of his word. That's some rich teaching. That's some powerful words from God that needs to come into our life and our heart daily. And as Peter says, opposite of what he says to the fakes, he says, Receive it and live it out. Receive it and walk in it. Don't just have the head knowledge and not back that up. Live it out. And so, if I could paraphrase what Peter is saying to one sentence, and now I know you're thinking, well, now you tell us that. took me 11 verses to read that to get it down to this. Listen to this. Godliness is not a matter of something that we need to do. It's someone that we need to be. And I want to stop right there and let that soak in for a moment. Godliness is not a matter of something that we need to do. Okay, I'm not going to give you a list of ten things that you need to go do. It's someone you need to be. Because if you're the person you need to be, you will do the things that you need to do. And I mean, that goes right in the face of the readers back in A.D. 63, and it comes right in the face of readers in 2015. Godliness is something that we need to be. Are you being that person that God wants you to be? For Peter, there is not and there never should be a division between what the head knows of God and what the heart experiences of God. So that head knowledge should always come to the heart. 
as we experience. But you know what? We live in a time today where people have a lot of heart problems. You know what, folks? Spiritually speaking, you know what we struggle with? We struggle with heart problems. We struggle with matters of the heart. We struggle with that in the way we live. We struggle with that in the things we say. We struggle with that in the things we do. Peter says you may have that knowledge, but if you're not backing it up in the way that you live, it means absolutely nothing. He told you there. If you possess them, here's what happens. If you ignore it, here's what happens. What will you choose? What will be yours? And you realize that Peter is writing this toward the end of his life. There's a lot of things from a spiritual sense that's on his heart, isn't it? And do you realize what I love about Peter? Peter's a lot like we are. He wasn't afraid to say it, was he? Now there are those moments where he had to go back and say, you know, I probably shouldn't have said it that way. And he got reeled back in. But he was forgiven, wasn't he? And what we see in First and Second Peter, we see the new Peter. We see the Peter that's grown and learned from what we read about in the Gospels. You know why he grew in increasing measure? Because he kept following Jesus. You know why you and I are going to grow? Because we're going to keep following Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we can't help, as Jesus told Philip, to connect with God. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we praise you for how rich and powerful your word is. And Father, I pray this morning that these words are more than just words, but we realize they are the divine power that is speaking words of life into us as your followers. Father, we want to know you. We want to be in love with you and your son every day. Father, I pray that whatever it may be in our life that's holding us back or that's standing in the way of that relationship, Father, you are the one that has the power, and you've given us that power to get rid of those things. And we pray for the strength, and we pray for the wisdom and the discernment to do that. Father, we want to be growing with you daily we want to grow more and more like your son each day and i pray that you fill us with the power of your holy spirit daily this is our prayer in the name of jesus and all of god's people say amen, amen. we're going to stand to sing a song of invitation this morning we already have one that's coming down to confess 
the great name of Jesus and to be baptized, to be buried with Christ, to walk a new life. He's excited about that. Just as you and I were excited the day that we did that. Okay? Some may be here this morning, others that need to confess and do that very same thing. And we invite you to do that. But others may just need prayer. I mean, you may need a lot of prayer for God to remove obstacles, to remove sin, whatever it may be, because you really want to grow closer like we've talked about this morning. Whatever your need is, we stand here ready to serve you in any way. So Alan's going to come and lead us in a song, and if you would come as together we stand and as we sing.